0: Go ahead, take a seat, grab your Bibles, and go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We're going to be in a few different places in the New Testament as we continue working on hearing the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ and being the wise builders that he wants us to be. And how do we become those wise builders? It is by hearing his words and... By hearing his words and... Come on, you can do better than you guys are warming up by by hearing his words and putting them into practice. Exactly right. That's what he said. He said, if you want to build a house and you want to be a wise builder, you will listen to what I say and you'll put it into practice. That's what we've been working on is building our lives, foundational choices for survival. You guys have been making some really good choices. Those of you who have been taken on the challenge, the 30-day challenge, to get on your knees every single morning before you do anything else, drop to your knees and give your life to the Lord, afresh and anew, and say to him, you are the Lord of my life, and I need you to help me to live according to you and make better choices today. If you've been doing that every day, you're on day 28. Well done, you guys. Well done. Now listen, don't just do the 30 days to stop. Keep it up. We're hoping, Right? We're not not going after just, okay, I did that, check it off my list. We're going for habits, right? We're going for life-changing habits that will continue on for the rest of our lives until Jesus returns, and these are some good things that you've been involved in. Choices, choices that we get to make. Choices that we get to make, what we're talking about. Did you know that the Bible is filled with, With words that describe, here's a theological term for you the volitional will of man, which is just a fancy way of saying that the Bible recognizes our ability and God grants us the ability to make choices. And you might say, now, wait a minute, Phil, aren't you like strong? Aren't we strong on like the sovereignty of God? in everything, in that God is in control of everything. Therefore, we really don't have a choice, right? I mean, if God's in total control, then we really don't choose anything. God is choosing it for us. Wrong. That's not how it works, okay? There is a thing that we will never, will go to our graves not understanding, and that is the divine human cooperative that is going on all the time. It goes on in salvation, and it goes on in sanctification, It goes on in our growth and our walk with God that God has given to us, and we can read it all through the scriptures where he gives his people the choice to choose him, the choice to make better choices in their world in order to be wise builders, and that's what we're talking about um, today. No doubt God is in control. Amen? Amen? No doubt God is in control. He's in control of all things, and he is sovereign over everything, no doubt but his sovereignty does not lessen our responsibility to act upon the things that he tells us to do. Write this down, I came across this quote um, this week, really good, do not lose your sense of responsibility in the sea of God's sovereignty. Write that one down and spend some time really thinking about that. And what we're working on in this series And actually we're working on, not just this series, we're working on this every time we meet together and open up God's word. We're working on foundational choices that not only do we need to make, but we need to be all in. We need to be like fully engaged in these choices if our houses are to withstand the onslaught and the storms that Satan is bringing upon our homes, which is what we want to talk about today. So far, we have talked about identity choices. That was the first couple of weeks where we talked about our relationship to God and his love, choosing God over ourselves and choosing God's love for ourselves in identity. Next, we worked on a couple of weeks on authority choices, which is I choose Jesus to be the Lord of my life, put him on the throne of my life every day. That's what our whole kneeling thing is that we're doing. And I choose the Bible, God's word, as my authoritative and superior voice to guide my every move and my every waking thought. The last two weeks, we've been working on what we call capacity choices, realizing that we're limited in our capacity, we're limited in our control, and we must put our full trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And I hope that you've been growing in that, and it's been helping in those types of things. All of this that we're talking about is helping us make better choices today. Well, today we're going to open up another set of choices that we're calling priority choices. And here's the big picture. I think you have this on your on your notes. The big picture today, and then it's going to carry on into next week, is that better choices today require established priorities. Better choices today require established. Priorities. Now, let me define priority, okay, as we get moving here. Here it is on the screen. Priority is an authoritative rating that establishes precedence. An authoritative rating that establishes precedence. You're like, what? (laughs) Here's what that means. Simply, it just means this. It's a process by which we determine what comes first, second, third, fourth in our lives. What priority do we give the things in our lives that we give Because we do give things priority in our lives, right? And it's your choice. You get to choose which things you're going to put in priority over your life. So priority is an authoritative rating. What gives us the authoritative rating to help us establish precedence on what should be number one, number two, number three, number four? I'm giving you a hint right now. It is God's word. It is the words of the Lord. It is the words of Jesus Christ that says, these are the things that must be first and foremost. These are the things of authority in your life. So we're not left trying to just figure it out. The Lord has told us in his word what should be number one in our lives. In fact, Jesus talks about it in a parable in Luke chapter 12. I hope that you've already opened your Bible there, but let's go to it. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. This is what he tells. This is a parable. Now, a parable is is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, okay? It's a heavenly um, practical application for, for us to learn from. So the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops, which is interesting. The crop is coming in, his land is full, but he has no place, which means He's been storing for a long time because he has no place to put his new storage, okay? His new stuff is coming off the the fields. Then he said, verse 18, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store my grain and my goods and I'll say to myself, are you getting a a theme here? (laughs) You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Question. Why is Jesus telling this story? Is this guy a success story or a failure? Thank you. How many are this is a failure. Show me. This is, this is a failure. Not this, this is a failure. All right, there we go, there we go. This is not a success story. Jesus isn't saying, this is the model guy. This is what I want you to live your life. That's not why he's telling this story. And So the, so the conclusion is, live like this man. That's not what he's telling us, okay? This parable of course is dealing with greed related to our money and our possessions and getting it all for ourselves and using it all on ourselves but I want you to see something I want you to see this guy's fundamental problem is not just his greed but is a failure in priority because he was he was working hard he was making choices He was making choices and sitting back, and it wasn't like he was sitting back doing nothing. He was actually working hard. He was working his crops. He was doing everything that he knew was right to do. He was doing a lot, but he was not making the right choices. I would say that he wasn't making choices with what he had that were good choices or best choices because his priorities were completely screwed up, upside down, and backwards. And because of that, his choices were, we see in the scriptures, his choices were self-serving. Therefore, his choices were self-destructive. He had his priorities mixed up. He had an abundance of things. But instead of putting others first, he put himself and his own needs first because he had a screwed up value system. You wanna see, let's look at it. Let's analyze his value and his view of life. This rich guy's value system was the number one, that he valued personal pleasure as his highest good. That was the first thing. How do you know that, Phil? Because you just read the passage, and we see that in the verse, he uses the personal pronouns, I and my, or me and myself, 10 times in just those couple of verses. I, 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 me, me, me. I gotta do it for me. I gotta get better for myself. I gotta store up for myself. That's what he kept saying. And so we know that he valued personal pleasure as his highest good. The second value that he had is that he viewed everything he has for himself. The passage says, I, look, look at all that I have. I will store up for myself what I have. That's messed up. Third thing is that he had too narrow a view of his personal future, which most of us fall into this category right here. A very narrow view of his personal future. I'll store up all of this for myself, and I will enjoy it for how long, he says here. For many years, only to have God say to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be determined from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Total messed up his view of life in general, wrong priorities, and therefore he ends up with a bad outcome. I hope that you can see that. Bad choices that he was making were following from wrong priorities. Now, to be fair, okay, I know this is a parable, Jesus is making it up, but Jesus doesn't say to us, there's no indication that he's saying that this guy had a wicked heart with wicked intentions of ripping everybody off in the world. I'd like to say to you that this story is a great picture of most of us. It's what most of us are doing with what we have. At one time or another, we are making foolish decisions about our lives and about what we're doing with our lives based on messed up priorities that we have, upside down priorities. In fact, I came across this quote today, this week also, a good heart with bad priorities will still lead us to bad choices. And we've all been there, right? You guys... Some of us might be here right now. We have really good intentions. It seems right to us, the things that we're doing, and you want to do right, but when your priorities are mixed up, you can't do right. You're making the wrong decisions and the wrong choices because you're making them from a faulty priority schedule. And the last verse, Jesus says this. This hurts, this stings. Uh, verse 21 of Luke 12, this is how it will be with, what's that next word? What's that next word? Say it loud. Anyone. Anyone. Your Bible might say everyone. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. You could read it like this. This is how it will be for anyone who has the wrong priorities with what they have and store up things for themselves and are not rich toward God. Proverbs 4.26 says, listen, mark out a straight path for your feet. You know what that means? That it, in translation, that means prioritize your life. And that's what we're gonna work on today. This is a thing that we had going on in our family when I was raising our kids so I had three um, eventually teenagers. And anybody have teenagers where you like they get to this place where they lose their minds? <laughs> you know, they can't like think ahead, they can't like they, they can't make cognitive decisions that make sense, you know, they're like hormone driven everything, and they're like making all these crazy decisions for their lives. And so we started having conversations with them about, like when they were really little, the conversation was like consequences. Let's talk about consequences. When you do this, and it's bad, and it's disobedient, you are going to live with this consequence, okay? Pain is inflicted. Okay, well, when they grow up, you don't do that so much. You start reasoning with them, and you start talking to them things about, like, priority. You need to prioritize your life because the reason you're having a problem right now, the reason that we're having a problem right now or the reason that you're having a problem at school right now or the reason you're having a problem with your girlfriends or your your buddies out on the ball field right now is because you have got messed up Priorities—they're messed up, they're mixed up, they're upside down, they're backwards. And so, let's have a priority talk. And this is how it went in our family. Um, they're teenagers, so we would go to like wings, etc., or something like that. You know, and we would sit down um, at a, at a restaurant. And this is how the conversation would go. All right, we're going to talk about priorities here. So um, we're going to line them up. Let's get rid of this thing, because I don't know what that is. So let's get rid of that, okay? So we're gonna line up. We got, what are the top, let's just identify the top four priorities in your life, or what they should be, okay? What should be the number one priority in your life? You know what they would always say? God. And don't laugh, because in reality, sometimes we're like that in our adult life. You know, like, if somebody, we're, we're doing something wrong, you know, like... We go to counseling, maybe, and we're we're talking to a friend about why things are going south in our life, and they say, well, what's the top priority need to be in your life? And we're like, God, I know, God. (laughs) Okay, let's pick. This is cool. This is a cool God. Let's put God as the Chalua sauce, okay? So here's God. Okay, God's got to be number one. We all agree that God needs to be number one, And, and listen, it's not like, what's number one? Who's the number one priority in your life? God. It needs to be God is. Because we realize that if God is the number one in our lives, well then everything else is gonna fall into place, right? Because we put him in first place. We get up every morning and we put God in first place, right? And we're excited about that because we know that that's where the good stuff is. That's where the blessing is. So get off of the God is the first, get off of that attitude, okay? It's a privilege. How awesome is it that we have God in first place in our lives? And what's number two? What? I'm deaf. You got to yell it out. Family? Is that what you said? Yes, you're right. Family's number two. Now, I'm talking to teenagers now, okay? So what's number three, teenager? School. Right? Okay? School's number three, okay? What's number four? Name it. Friends. Sports, video games, you know, they have a whole bunch of things that they are priority on their list, okay, but these things are number four and beyond. What's important, what we would talk about is how important it is that God is number one in your life, family is number two in your life, your responsibility, okay, school is number three in your life, and then four and on is everything else in line. And then I would say, you tell me now what I want you to do is I want you to line it up one through four. I want you to line up where your priorities are right now and how you've been living your life right now. And you know what always they ended up doing? Every single time it was this. Yeah, that's it. One, two, three, four. And I'll say, well, what's the problem with this picture? What's the problem with this picture? It's backwards. It's messed up. It's It's upside down. Okay, because you have God over here. So what do we need to do? We need to start doing some things, making adjustments to our lives to start re- arranging everything to make sure that we've got our priorities straight because if you don't have your priorities straight, you're like the fool. You're like the fool out there who's living for himself. Whenever you're like this, you're doing everything the way you want it done and you're living for yourself and you've got everything figured out for yourself. You're building up, you're storing up a bunch of stuff in your barns for yourself. And how did that go for the rich young or the rich, I've gotten getting my parables mixed up. The rich guy in the story of the parable, not so good. Let's put them in order, the way that they should be. Good? Because this is what we're talking about. So I asked my kids this week. I texted James and Amber, and I said, you know, I'm just curious. um, How did we do? Can you guys name the top four priorities that you need to have in your life? And Amber texts back, of course, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if this attitude was there, Amber, or not, but it was, like, it was like, of course, Dad, God, family, school. But of course, school's not an issue anymore, so it's God, family, work, you know, whatever. James wrote me, and, um, and, and way to go, Amber. Way to go, baby. So James writes me, and he sends me this list. I have it on the screen for you. He sends me this list. James' list is relationship with God, relationship with Angela, that's his wife, relationship with kids and family, and work. And I'm like, way to go, James. That's awesome, because you've got your priorities in line. Okay, you're working on it. Then right soon after, I get another text, okay? I didn't even get to say anything like, yeah, way to go, James, that's great. Soon after, he sends me a text, and he says, it's been interesting as an adult, though. My list doesn't necessarily get mixed up. It stays in the same order, but a lot of times, it ends up looking like this. (laughs) Have you ever been there? How many times do we get all upside down in our priorities, and we get everything backwards in our priorities, and as a result, we suffer the consequences of those bad decisions that come from having the wrong priorities? That's what we're working on, and that's a very long introduction to today's principled priority decision that we're gonna be working on, okay? So buckle up, because here we go. Here's what we're gonna be working on today. I can't lose my family. That's the principled decision, and principle number one is this. After God, right? After God, my family must Come first. I can't fail at family. And from this point on in the sermon, it's gonna get hard for for many people here in the room today, and I just wanna let you know that it's going to hurt, it's gonna sting as we work down through this And I start with Matthew 5.32. Look on the screen with me. It says this. These are the Jesus words in the Sermon on the Mount. I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, you might be asking the question right now, why are you bringing this? I can think of a bunch of other passages you might bring up in family first. Why are you bringing up this? Here's why. Because Jesus is describing for us in this passage the ultimate in family failure that comes, hear me now, that comes from a lack of established priorities. Would you agree? this means yes do you agree that all divorce comes into a family this kind of family failure which is I call the ultimate family failure comes from a lack of established priorities in somebody or everybody's lives otherwise it wouldn't have happened now Jesus isn't making a statement with this passage in Matthew 5 or doing some kind of teaching on whether divorce is wrong, he's assuming that divorce is wrong. The Bible has a lot to say about the wrongness of divorce. I can give you one of the obvious in Malachi 2, we're told that God hates divorce. So do I. So do you, right? Come on. Can we talk openly about this? Can we just call a spade a spade? Am I allowed to say that in church? <laughs> I don't even know what a spade is. I'm Baptist. I didn't even get to, I didn't even grow up using cars. I don't even know what a spade is. Why did I say that? <laughs> Sorry. The whole of the Bible and its teaching is focused on this emphasis. Do everything you can, outside of your relationship with the Lord first, do everything you can to keep family failure from happening. And the purpose of this message, you guys, is not to discuss all the ins and outs of divorce when you can or can't, if it's allowed or not allowed. That's not what we're talking about even though me bringing it up has some of you already to have the conversation, we're not going there today, okay? That's not the point. Here's the point. The point that I believe Jesus is making here and that I wanna draw from what Jesus said is that, and I know that everyone here will agree with me on this point, I have never met anyone who loves the Lord and who has gone through the pain of divorce who wouldn't say to all of us here today, Do anything and everything, whatever you can to keep this from ever happening to anyone in your life because it is the most devastatingly destructive thing that could happen to a family. And so make it a priority to put your family first in everything, in front of yourself. I'm confident that no one here will want to debate the facts around the destructive nature of of divorce for the entire family. Divorce isn't just a thing that happens between a man and a woman. Its destructive nature destroys the entire family unit for generations to come. And I prayed so hard this morning that the Lord would help me have an empathetic spirit as I speak into this because sadly, I know that many of you here know exactly what I'm talking about. You know personally, because you live every day with the emotional scars of family failure, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And aren't we glad, my friends, aren't we glad for a gracious, merciful God who forgives and restores, a God who can handle our failures, our family fails, and has in his will for the rebuilding of all that has been torn down because of our selfish acts and because of our screwed up priorities. And he wants that, and he's willing. And I, I want you to hear this statement. Every single person here, no matter what stage of life you're in, that failure is not final in God's economy. Now, failure carries with, carries with it some consequences that might be final. There are some things that happen as a result of our failure to have proper priorities, especially when it relates to our family, that are irreversible. We know that to be true from experience. But I want you to hear that with God, failure is not final, or at least it doesn't have to be final. I know that right now I'm standing between two realities, right here in our midst, right here in, in the people that are hearing my voice, wherever you are. On one hand, there are those among us who have experienced or are in the middle of or are on the, on the eve of experiencing significantly family, significant family failure. And I want to say to you that God's grace provides for your future and God's grace should produce in you a heart that is determined to make every effort to make sure these priorities are in place so that you never again will find yourself in this place in your life again. Some of you are in the middle of a family fail and it's not too late. And my words to you is stop building bigger and better barns to store up stuff for yourself and go fix your family. Get off yourself and get off of your storage program that you have for yourself and go fix your family. It's not too late. Do it today. That's your homework. Go start the conversation. So there's all of that on one side and then on the other hand, uh, There's those of us who have not experienced significant family failure to whom I would say you must do everything in your power to avoid it and to prioritize your life and put your family's health first and don't let anything get in the way of its success. Here's the priority. The priority today is I can't lose my family. It's gotta take top. Priority. After God, it must come first. Whatever I do in my career, whatever I accomplish in my finances, whatever I achieve in my church, whatever I get done in my life, I can't fail at family. No matter what else I do, I've got to know and I've got to prioritize my family outside of my relationship with the Lord. You can conquer the whole world, my friends, and if you lose your family, you'll die a miserable person we can fail to accomplish a ton of things but we can't fail at our families that's the first principle after god we my family must come first here's the second one priority number 2 my family must be my treasure my family must be my treasure jump over to Matthew 6 verse 19 with me and let's hear the words of Jesus again he says don't store up treasures here on earth this is verse 19 of Matthew 6 don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the main point, verse 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. That's where all your effort and all your time and all of your creativity will be, where your treasure is. What's the principle? My family must be my treasure. I've heard it said like this. The only two things were taken to heaven with us. There's only two things. God's word, because it's eternal, and people. Everything else is staying here, and it's gonna rot, and it's gonna rust, and it's gonna turn to dust. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. It was fun yesterday. I was at a at a basketball game for my grandkids, and I ran into a grandma. And she had a shirt on that I said, I got to take this picture And here she is, her shirt says, I wear my heart on my sleeves, and on her sleeves are all the names of her grandchildren. If you know Tammy, you know that she has treasured her family. This lady knows what it is to treasure her family. I love that. I need to get a, I don't know if I'd wear a t-shirt like that, but (laughs) it was really cool that she had that on. I just want to add, what is your treasure? What is your treasure? Truly, what do you treasure the most in this world? Because whatever that you value the most is where your heart is, and where your treasure is, is where your heart is. And so, if your treasure is your career, then your heart is with your career. If your treasure is your reputation, then your heart is with your reputation. If your treasure is what you have in, like, your investments and, and in your future securities, you're in big trouble if that's the case. But that's where your heart is, if that's where your treasure is, and if you treasure that, if you treasure your secret little private pleasures or your secret little private fantasies and that's what you really treasure then that's where your heart is going to be and I want you to listen carefully to me I want to I want you to hear the voice of Jesus say this where your heart is is where you will spend all of your time and all of your energy and all of your creativity and all of your first efforts you will give your best to the thing that you treasure the most My family has got to be my treasure. Your family has got to be your treasure. This is the priority choice we must all make if our houses are going to stand. And that's the goal, right? It's the goal, right? We want houses that will stand no matter what comes against us. All right, Phil, how do I make my family a priority? Um, I'm glad you asked. I'm gonna give you your homework right now. You ready for your homework? You ready for your homework? Come on, boys and girls, are you ready for your homework? Yes, Yes, please, Phil, we want more homework. Please give us our homework. Here it is, okay? And then I'm gonna finish the sermon, but here's the homework assignment. Um, Make a poster. That's your homework assignment. I think you can flip your notes to the back, and you'll have all this, you don't have to try to feverishly write it down You'll have all this. What I want you to do is I want you to go home and I want you to make a putting my family first poster and get creative and let your kids get involved in it. If you don't have kids at home, make it anyway, Robin. (laughs) We gotta get on it, okay? It's my putting my family first poster. Make it on poster board. Get it big, get it bright. Put it somewhere that's noticeable so that every day your family knows, I've got to put family first. How do I make my family a priority? You invest in them. That's how. Write that down somewhere. I invest in my family. But these are the things you want to write on there. How do I put my family first? First of all, I look out for each other. Philippians 2.4. We encourage each other, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. We be kind to each other, Ephesians 4.32. We keep our promises to each other, Colossians three nine. Live at peace with each other, 1 Thessalonians 5.13. We be loyal to each other, Proverbs 26. We love each other deeply from the heart, 1 Corinthians 1, 22. And then just keep on adding to the list, because you can go on and on, studying the Scripture together as a family to say, what are some other things? Maybe this is an ongoing poster that you have, and you just add another one to it and another one to it so that when you have family conflict, when something comes into the family and you're having a family meeting and you have to sit down at the family table and just say, okay, we got to figure this out. We're going to sit down with God's word and we're going to open it up and we're going to learn how to prioritize family and we're going to learn how to make different adjustments. Okay, this is happening and it's not happening well in the family right now. Dad, this is your, your, your responsibility, by the way. Okay, don't just like delegate this off to mom uh, to take care of this. You lead your family in this, and you say, okay, let's look at God's word and say, what does God say about the issue that we're having in our family right now, and what can we add to our list that says from now on, this is what we're going to do. And why are we gonna do this, kids? Why are we gonna do this, wife? Why are we gonna do this, my husband? Why are we gonna do this, family? Because we're prioritizing things. Because we're living according to principle, and principles dictate the priorities that we have in our life, and our number one priority outside of our relationship with God is that we're going to put our family first, and God has a lot to say to us about how to do that. And then here's another, the second half of your homework is this. I want you to add something to your daily bending of the knee prayer. So our daily bending of the knee is when we get down, we we. We get on our knees, on our bed, next to our bed before we do anything else and we say this, something like this to the Lord. Lord, you are the Lord of my life. I put you on the throne of my life today. I'm gonna serve you in everything. All the decisions that I'm going to make are gonna be to your honor and to your glory and obedience to what you have to say. Please, by your Holy Spirit, help me make better choices today than I made yesterday. Oh, and by the way, I make this promise. I will make my family my highest human priority today. Make that part of the commitment that you're making on your knees before you do anything else. I will make my family my highest human priority. And I say human because we don't worship our families, right? We don't worship our families, right? Right. And we don't worship at the throne of our family's schedules, right? And our our, our children's desires, right? Right. Moms and dads, your children are not in charge of your home, right? 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 Come on, I want to hear some gusto in that because this this world we're living in, not so much. We have child-driven homes and your kids don't know how. I promise you, your kids do not know how to prioritize their lives. They need you to help them with that. Not one amen. Not one, that's right, Phil! We're dealing with that right now in our family. Come on, man, give us the truth. This is what the truth is. We don't worship our families. Um, Amber, you said this in your text, and I just thought this was so powerful. If God isn't first, then nothing else in our family will fall into place. It'll all be messed up. I'll say this if you let your family take the place over God in any area, then your priorities are upside down and He can't bless that. He won't bless that. We must never love our families more than we love God. In fact, We put our children and our spouses in danger when we put them and their interests and their schedules and all the stuff that they want to do ahead of God. Putting God first above them is the most loving thing that you can do for the health of your family. And on the flip side, everything else in this world, including serving in the church, because you do know that we can get out of balance with that. Man, Phil, are you really gonna say that? I'm absolutely gonna say that. I know some people right now that I had conversations this week that said this to me. I'm gonna have to step away from some of my responsibilities because I've got to focus on my family and I'm like, yes. Yes, you do. Because though we are all in, right? We're all in serving Jesus. That's part of our loving God and putting him first and serving his church and serving his people. But there are times when we have to take a break from some of the things that we are doing for God and his church because we're neglecting the things that are most important to us and that is the work at home. I'm not even gonna go to the place where people get upside down with that. like They use their their home relationship as a reason not to serve in the church. Well, then your priorities are screwed up. We can't be there with that. We've gotta stay in balance. We've gotta keep our priorities right. Putting God first above everything is the most loving thing you can do for your family. Only our devotion to God, though, should supersede our families. And God being first place over them will never harm them because God is your partner in serving them. In fact, 1 Corinthians thirteen i I'm gonna close um, with wrap down with this. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says simply three words. Love never fails. Love never fails. Oh, yes, it does, Phil. Failed in my home. Mm. Mm -mm. Something else failed in your home. Some other kind of love might have failed in your home, but... Love never fails. What kind of love are we talking about? We're talking about the love of God. We're talking about the sacrificial, self-sacrificing love of God that is in you. If you have received his love and you know him as your savior, then you possess, you have the love of God and that kind of love never fails. You know why it never fails? Because love conquers my selfishness. That's why you can say love never fails. It goes on to tell us in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is patient and love is kind and it doesn't boast and it doesn't brag and it's not arrogant and it's not rude and it never insists on its own way. There's an awesome one. It's not irritable or resentful and it doesn't list everybody's wrongs that they've done against them and love covers the greatest obstacles of my family harmony that lives in my heart. You know what that is? My selfishness. And if we apply God's love to everything and we have that as a priority in our lives, then it will fix the problems, it will fix the family failure, because love never fails. Why does a family fail? Because somebody stopped loving the way God loved. Somebody went selfish, somebody started building their own barns, started filling up their own barns with everything that they had in order to provide for themselves so that I can sit back and relax and I can enjoy everything that I have. Look what I have accomplished only to find out that you have totally neglected the most important things that God gave you, and that is your family. Love conquers my selfishness, and it it conquers my skepticism. It says that it believes that a brighter future is out there for my families if we will let love reign in our home. It always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love never fails to conquer all the obstacles that leads to family failure. Some of you are really hurting right now and maybe even doubting all of this. Um, Like, Phil, you don't know my family and you don't know my husband or you don't know my parents or you don't know my children. You don't know what mess we have going on at our home and from the bottom of my heart, I'm so sorry about all that. It doesn't change the fact that love doesn't fail. Love never fails. It will remove the obstacles lying in the path of unity in your family, because you are an instrument of God's love. Yeah. Well, what can I do? You know, I, I write this down somewhere. Love anyway. Love anyway. Just use that. Like, make that a mantra in your home. Love anyway. Love when all others choose to be selfish. You love anyway. Love when conflict creates distance. Okay, well, you be the one to break the silence. You take the first step. You be the one to melt the ice. You humble yourself first. See how that works. Lavish words of kindness and affirmation upon your family. Love them by serving them and forgiving them and Above all else, love them by standing for God and the truth of his word and by living it before them and reminding them of it on a daily basis. My family, my highest human authority. Choose it, my friends. Choose it. Come on, let's stand up and... Lord, can I just uh, ask you to bring some peace and some love and some grace to help soothe some of the heartbreak that I have reminded people of today as we opened up this area of your word. For those who have lost their families. Encourage their hearts to know that failure with you is not final and that they've got a lot of work yet to do. That you're not, I'm so thankful you don't throw us away whenever we fail. So bring strength to my brothers and sisters here that are really heartbroken over their own family situation right now and give them some hope as to how they can, maybe some things are permanent and they can't, they can't turn it around, they can't fix it, but give them inspiration by your Holy Spirit to know how to bring love into the family unit, to bring love into the mess, to bring love into the brokenness. And to be an instrument of your love that will do miraculous things. That we've witnessed it in the past and that we will witness it again. And we testify that we have witnessed your healing power. And I pray that for some of the families that are in the middle of it right now. That they realize it's not too late if they would just prioritize some things. And if everybody involved would just humble themselves and put you first and bring love into their lives to save this before it explodes. But all of us, Lord, we ask for your strength. We ask for your help to love our families the way you want us to love them, to prioritize them under you and making them our highest human priority. And bless us in the process, I pray, and strengthen us. Before I say amen, um, if you want some prayer for your family or for yourself, um, I would love to be part of that, and our prayer team will be down here. I'd love to spend some time with you praying over your family situation and what you're going through right now, and ask for God for deliverance and for healing and for a miracle to happen in your life. We believe that when we pray about those things that God answers those prayers. So we invite you to come to the front if you'd like some prayer over your family or for yourself. Lord, go with us now and strengthen us in your spirit. Help us to prioritize our lives well so that we could be used at the maximum level for you and that we can build strong, solid homes for your sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.